Wow, there's so much in me right now. That's why this is at least a three-part message, people. There's just so much in me right now. And we're really transitioning toward our vision for 2023. And uh, I, however, I do want to uh, stay here with the fast and, and open the wells a little bit longer uh, in, in, as I introduce uh, this message and um, and so I don't know if you're feeling this way, but you need to feel this way because as you fast, this is how you want to end, uh, end this fast. Let's see it. The image on. Here we go. You just fasted and prayed. Bring it on. Come on. Any challenges out there? Any obstacles out there? Bring it on. We're ready. All right. 2023. We're ready for you by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Amen. If you haven't been fasting or you're waning a little bit, you got you have you know really six more days here till Saturday makes 21 days. If you're dealing with habitual sin, something that's plaguing you, and you haven't fasted, fast. This is your chance. Get in there, dig in, and say, God, I need you. I need to depend on you. John seven is when Jesus speaks of the living waters in verse 38 he says he who believes in me as the scripture said from his innermost being out of his heart will flow rivers of living water not just trickles but rivers that's that's on purpose and so yes we want the lord to move through us around us with rivers of living waters and it is happening i'm hearing some neat things happening around us there's uh someone uh, talking to him at the uh, Friday night, Open the Wells worship night, said uh, he had a friend come, uh, name come on his heart this past week. And it's an old friend from college, someone who knows the Lord, serves the Lord. And, and he realized, okay, this is the Lord and impressing me. I'm going to pray for this friend. And he, he contacted him and said, hey, our church is having this uh, fast during this time. You've come on my heart to pray for you, so I want you to know I'm praying for you. When his friend got back to him, he said, thank you for praying. He's a, this gentleman is a teacher in a public school in another state. He says, a student, a middle school student of mine came in my classroom with a loaded gun today. Folks, when you get this impression of of a name, of an image of someone or something, and it comes, if you miss it the first time, it comes back a second time, that's your cue. God is patient. He'll even give it to us a third time. That's, that's a cue. Go into prayer. Just make it a habit. Go and pray for that person. You don't know how critical it is. Someone on the prayer call at the Zoom call this week said, you know, I'm so grateful for this fast. It's like the Lord has used this, and there was a a friendship restoration uh, just this week, and I believe God used that fast to lead toward that and make that happen. I love that. We had, uh, we've had powerful times of um, prayer here at the altar, same thing Friday night at the worship night. I'm going to ask those who've been interviewing, uh, if you're not on an altar ministry team, just come down, be available to pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the release of the prayer language and other things or questions they have, just come down in here in pairs again and be available. I want to tell you a testimony from one of them. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, it was Wendy, Rhonda McCard's daughter. She was in town just to bring her mom back, and and she was just 
uh, deeply touched by the Holy Spirit. And I called her and talked to her to ask her to tell me about it. What was it like? And because uh, I want to know what the Spirit of God is doing. Everybody's story with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is unique. It's different. It's unique. It's not the same. And I'd like a salvation journey and story. It's unique. It's different. And, and, and so she told me, and, 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 I, and, and she referred to her, up, you know, her, her past and her upbringing, and she gave me some details. And I asked permission to share, and she said, I could. It was, she was a young girl. Um, Rhonda was recently saved. They went to uh, you know, a, a, a relative's Pentecostal denominational church as a child. And, uh, and Wendy said, when I was a child, I was scared of speaking in tongues. And this is how she described it. She said, there were times people were running around speaking in tongues, and one lady hit her head and hurt herself. And at the end of the service, uh, oftentimes they would have the children come up they would gather around them, and they would all pray in tongues over them. And in one Sunday, I didn't want to go up, and, and I just wanted to stay at my seat. But my aunt came over and grabbed my hand and forced me to go down there. I didn't want to be down there. And, and they started, and I started crying, and I heard God tell me. I heard his voice, and he said, this is not me. So I just want to tell you, and that, that launched her in a life where she did hear the voice of God during her life, but she was, she was scared of speaking in tongues. And that gift of a prayer language, she was avoiding it, and then the Lord opened the door here. Let me just tell you, folks, it happens, and I am so sorry if it happened to you, that if someone pressured you about speaking in tongues, someone tried to force it on you, made you feel bad because you didn't, it made you feel less Whatever has happened in the past, I'm sorry because it is a precious blessing from the Lord. And, and I'm sorry that it, it, and, and it could have been me one time accidentally. could have been one of us. could have been, I'm sorry. Please forgive us. Open your heart to what God has for you by his spirit and by the will of God. And, and just trust him. And so what she said, Wendy said, I was drawn to come down a couple of Sundays ago to receive prayer for uh, this uh, filling and overflowing of the Holy Spirit. And she said she was just there getting prayed for, and she felt this energy, this, this power come and fill her heart. And when she did, and, and she had this big breath come out, and she, she said some, some syllables, and she started repeating those syllables. And she, she said, I'm a feeler. God knew I need to feel something. And she did that power of the Holy Spirit come in her, and it released, and, and I was so, you know, happy for her. Folks, when I, I mean, I'm not getting the details right now, but I didn't feel a thing when I first prayed in the Spirit. Everybody's story is different. But be open to what God has for you. It's really interesting. Um, uh, Robert Morris, in his story, he grew up Baptist, and he said, we just never talked about the Holy Spirit, didn't even study those errors of the gifts of tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, and, and just avoided it. And so he wrote a book, said that God I never knew was the name of his book, and I recommend that. And I'm going to be sending you uh, by email, church email, uh, hopefully today, just a list of resources to study this some more. Let's talk about this. Let's keep this conversation going. It's God does reach and touch people, and he's drawn people. About a year ago, there was a gentleman here visiting. He visited a couple times. I got 
to meet him and know him. And he was in a, a denominational church, a good church here in town. Uh, and he's a Sunday school teacher. And he and his uh, uh, fellow teacher were teaching through the book of Acts. And he said, I don't know what to do with the book of Acts. These places that talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, I don't know what to do with it. And so we had a breakfast together, and I gave him some resources. See, God does that. I had a friend just a couple weeks ago say, "My," said, and he goes to a solid, good church, a a church that is that's into reaching the heart of people and discipleship. He said, "My wife went off to a conference in Nashville a couple weeks ago, and she got." Feel with the Spirit, and she's a different woman, and I'm, I'm digging, I'm studying this myself to find what does the Word say? Where, where do I stand? So God is moving in this era. We want to be a people that know the Scriptures, that can sit down and, and share our story and Scriptures that relate to that. I know even our Wednesday morning's uh, men's Bible study, we've taken two weeks just to dig into these scriptures and talk about it. So if you're like that and say, I've got some questions, then, you know, contact me. Here's my email address, and I want you to feel free to say, Stephen, I have some questions. I have some things I'd, I'd like, and let's go ahead and just throw that email address up there so people can see it. And you can contact me, and we'll set up. There might be several. We'll just have... We have a class for several Sunday nights or something and just dig into it together. So the title of this message is Catching the Harvest. This is the series title, Catching the Harvest. This part one is The Lonely and the Lost. And the well, with Living Waters being a deep well... One thing we need to realize, and it's true in the Scriptures, and I'll, I'm going to uh, uh, illustrate this in a minute, that this well is not just for you. It's not just for me. This well is for others, and I'm going to show you that there's wells in, in uh, the wells of God. They're for the lonely and the lost, and you're going to see that today as we get in the Scriptures. And, and, and I was... Um, as I was preparing for this fast myself in, in early January, I the Lord reminded me of Isaiah 58, a really important chapter when it comes to fasting. And what was happening in that, in that uh, situation is the, these Israelites were fasting, but they weren't seeing any uh, changes. They weren't seeing the blessings and the things they were praying about. And they were getting discouraged. And, and, and then it it goes into, well, let me tell you about the fast I chose, and I'm going to stop right there. Because earlier this week, a dear friend, Lynn Price, uh, sent me her prayer scriptures for the fast out of Isaiah 58. And I said, okay, we've been doing some interviews lately. Let's interview Lynn. Lynn, come on down here. Have you guys enjoyed the interviews that, that I did? We've done here for a couple Sundays. When that need. I really just planned on doing it for a couple Sundays. But um, since Lynn shared this with me, I said, you know, Lynn, why don't you just share your heart and, and, and kind of how this is impacting you, this passage and so forth. And uh, Lynn, have you, you, we miss Jim. We just miss him. Uh, he passed away. 
And uh, how long has it been? It's been a year and a... September, September. September. So, so it's just been just over a year now. And um, what a model couple of marriage, of ministry, of family, of um, sacrifice for others, and, uh, and what a model of teaching. And, and Lynn has a teaching gift. She's always doing something that's going to be teaching somebody something. And one thing that she's really good is scripture lists for prayer. And she'll do this for herself, and you find out about it and say, hey, I want that. Give, give me some of that. You know, so this is something that you're gifted in. But go ahead, just share what's on your heart with people, Lynn. Okay. Let's give Lynn a big hand. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Uh, you know, Stephen, last month I had cataract surgery. And uh, when I think about our fast, I compare it to that cataract surgery. And in the surgery, they cut out the cloudy lens and replace it with an artificial one. Here comes the teacher. Here we go. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I see our fast as being uh, Mm. something that we cut out so that we can see more clearly what Mm. God has for us uh, in, um, in his kind of fast. Drop the microphone. Time to go home. That was good. All right, keep going, Lynn. And, and so then I see, I see the lens as being Isaiah 58. Okay. Through which we can see clearly what God says is a fast that pleases him. And so uh, uh, I love what John said last week. Fasting, 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 prayer, fasting, fasting. <laughs> fasting without um, prayer is like um, going hungry. <laughs> I thought that was a great line. And so what I've done is take Isaiah 58 as a prayer template. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in, my, in this situation, I just divided the section there. I think it's 58, 6 through 14 or something like that. Uh, divided it up into 21 different areas mm-hmm. and uh, put it in a calendar format. And, uh, and so that's kind of been my springboard for mm-hmm. a prayer. I'll give you three examples. Please. Okay, day one, what did it look like for me? Is, oh, I have to uh, wear these. That's fine. Because after that surgery, I no longer can see things up close. <laughs> okay. So, but, but that's kind of like it is, too, because we have trouble seeing things in our own hearts. We can see things up, but, up close. <laughs> All right, Just keep it rolling, keep it rolling, yeah. Okay, so, so the first one, uh, day one, is loose the bonds of wickedness. So I began by saying to the Lord, you know, Lord, show me those things in my life that hold me in bondage. Mm. And, uh, and then so we deal with that. And then we go to my family, and there's, you know, areas that we, we touch in prayer. And, and just goes on out, you know, f- for there. Another one, a day two, undo the heavy burdens. This is how the Lord led me on that day. He brought to my mind a brother in the Lord. Who, I can't see you now, but I, I brought me a mind, to my mind a brother in the Lord who is under a heavy burdens with um, caring for his wife of 40 years who has dementia. And so that brought you know, others that you know, carry burdens like that to, to be, that I wouldn't have normally been praying for that day, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just what I did. But, but this isn't a to-do list, and it's, it's kind of funny how the Lord has worked this out. I'll, I'll kind of get... I'll go through the day, and then I'll look back, and I say, oh, God, that's what you did that day. Mm-hmm. And, and like this one, um, share your bread with the hungry. Mm-hmm. Victoria, calls, Victoria calls me up, my granddaughter, and says, Nana, 
I have uh, some leftovers. Would you like them? And I said, yes. And so she brought up um, uh, uh, Salisbury steak and chicken enchiladas, a whole bunch of different things. So I called my sister, uh, sister-in-law, Judy, who just lost her husband. And I said, Judy, you want to come up and uh, share uh, what Victoria brought us? We can pretend like we're going to Golden Corral. And so we had, <laughs> we had fun um, okay. just sharing. Um, then, um, um, maybe take one more. Yeah. Um, my sister called me one day. She wanted me to set up a um, prayer conference <laughs> with my other sister. So the three of us got together, and she shared that her grandson had, uh, at school, had typed in on, on the computer that uh, he, he typed in, how is the easiest way to kill yourself? And so that led mm. to the three of us joining together in a in really intense prayer, you know, for that situation. That uh, I, I praise God that that came to light. But, you know, I, I think God says, then your light shall shine. And so I think he brings things to light in this fast. There's one um, that I covet the most, and that is um, day 18. It says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of, dwell, of paths to dwell in. That would be the best, biggest honor that I think I could have is to be that those from among us could mm-hmm. be called the repairer of the breach, yeah. the restorer of paths to dwell mm-hmm. in. Can you say a prayer for just uh, for us in just a moment? This passage, what it does, it you know, it, I, oh, I'm fasting, I'm doing this really super spiritual thing. Yeah, that's good, that's true. But to make it authentic. This is what the passage does, is look at your life change and how to love others who are lonely and lost and hurting, broken. And that's part of the actual fast is, is reaching out to others. And then he'll pour out these blessings. And it says the word then a couple of times in this, then I will, then I will. So, so it helps make our pursuit of God more authentic and honest. Yes. Instead of going through motions and looking super spiritual or something. Yes, yes. Thank you. Could you pray for us? What's Thank on you, your heart? Lord. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you, Lord, that you show us your ways. And I thank you, Lord, that we've given us the, uh, the grace to walk in those ways. I pray, Lord, for each of us that we would uh, look at your word and heed your word and practice your word. And you will, you will get all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's give her another big hand. Woo! So that's where I see it in this point of our fast is to get more um, focused as Christ is, uh, you know, the Lord reveals in this Isaiah passage uh, that we are turning, making a shift, taking a turn right now. And I want to go with you to uh, John chapter 4, starting at verse 34. I will set it up and give you some some background here. This John chapter 4 is the story, an amazing, very detailed story, we can't get into all of it, of the woman in the well, where Jesus meets the woman in the well. And I'm starting late in the story, after Jesus already has visited with her. And we'll get to that a little bit today, I hope. Um, But here, they're in Samaria. 
Now, the disciples are all good, pure Jews, and the Samaritans are mixed race. And Samaria is in the middle of their nation. And Jews don't like them because they're, it's, it's a racial thing, they're mixed, but they don't believe the true beliefs. They, they mixed up their beliefs, too, with other religions influencing them. And so there's a real condensa- uh, con- condescending coming from Jewish people on them. You're, you're not good enough. You don't do it right. And, and they don't, many wouldn't even go through the area. They'd travel around and add like another day to their trip or something. It was crazy. But Jesus went through Samaria, has this encounter with the, uh, the woman at the well, and the, the, he, the reason Jesus was alone at the well, because he, they went to go get food. They had been traveling, needed food. And uh, so all this encounter happens is one-on-one with the woman at the well. And Jesus is there now alone. The disciples come back. And it, this is the conversation that happens next. Um, they offered him, uh, uh, you know, food. You know, that's why we went on this little excursion to the village and he says, you know, I have, I have food to eat, which you do not know. And they're like, you know, did somebody else give him some food? Why is he saying that? And verse 34, this is what Jesus describes to explain what he means. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And he's talking about his father, his heavenly father, 35. Do not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes, look at the fields, they are already white for the harvest. So what we see here is Jesus defines his purpose on the earth for these three years of his ministry is to do the will of his Father and that is, and to finish his work. And he starts talking about the fields are white for harvest. And in these grain fields, they would... When they get ripe, they would just get kind of lighter and lighter and lighter where the, the gold would even almost turn like a pale white. It was so ripe, ready to harvest. The color is kind of le- is leaving the plant. And so he's saying, listen, this is my will is to go after this harvest. Even the Samaritans, would you say, you wouldn't even bother with. It's hard ground. They don't believe right. What are we doing here? They ended up staying there two days because of that woman opened the door, uh, and everybody was so interested and hungry for him. He stayed there two, totally unplanned. The disciples were, were all of this is just a shock to the, his 12 disciples. And he says, listen, there's no delay. There's no delay. The delay the, it's now. Look, the fields are white. The spiritual fields are white for harvest now. See, folks, we are all, all of us are farmers. When you got saved, you became a farmer. Let's read a couple of, of the next of verses there, 36 through 38. And he, Jesus still is talking. He who reaps receives wages, amen, and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. God is, makes us farmers, workers in his harvest fields. We are harvest workers, and we're sowers. We're part of the farming team. We are farmers, and we'll see that again as we go on. I want to jump into now this subtitle of the harvest includes the lonely and the lost. 
I um, love being a pastor. A pastor is an under-shepherd, under-the-chief-shepherd. We have sheep. And, but one thing, and you see it in our communications with you, we use the word living waters family often. And I love that word about us. I believe we have that family feel as a body. I believe that when you join a church, the goal isn't just to be a member of a Christian organization, even though that can be good in itself. It's really becoming part of a spiritual family. And so here's a little, little insight on how I view the local church, our spiritual family. And I believe this is God's will and God's design for all local churches. It's called the gift of being known is what I call it. And the gift of being known is you are not really part of a church family unless you are known. It's possible to come on a Sunday morning, say hi to, to some people, get in a few conversations, have, have uh, you know, enjoy the worship, uh, the, the corporate prayer, the preaching, and then leave. And actually, you did not actually reveal anything new or deeper about yourself. You're able to control and keep a, yourself not known. And you can be, in a sense, a member of a church and live that way. But that is what I believe not God's design for the local church. God designed us to be a spiritual family. It is pretty hard to grow up in a family and, and not be known. When you grow up day in, day night, from the time you're a baby, you know, and, and the brothers, I mean, we see every stage of your upbringing and, and we see your strength and weaknesses and how that changes as you grow and you become a young man, a young woman. And, and then, you know, it's, it's like we've lived years together. It's hard to hide, hide things from your spouse, from your children. We can, we can try hard and we can hide some things over time, perhaps, and we can choose to close our hearts to even our family members, and, and we can choose that so we can limit how much we're known. But in general, families members know us better than anyone else. And it's the hope in God's design when he created a family is that they, those relationships would be safe where you would want to reveal your deepest parts of you, your deep questions, issues in your life, that families would be safe people to do that. That's not always the case. Is that right? And we can be, in a sense, born into a family that their people aren't safe. It's not loving. There's rejection, even from mom or dad. God forbid. But it happens over and over again in this fallen world. And I believe that's one reason why God is called Father. His Son is called Jesus Christ the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit tying it all together, connecting His Spirit to us to live in us so that we can have a restoration of mom and dad's rejection can be restored by the Heavenly Father. Is Our brother Jesus, He says, I've paid the price, so you're going to love the, my Father. No rejection here. Come on. I want to introduce you to my father. I want to connect you to my father. But that means if you experience that in your earthly family, it can be hard to trust other people, much less even 
God the Father, well, no, I don't want to trust God the Father. I believe it's God's will as we go into this year of 2020 that we're asking God, God, we want to be that spiritual family people can trust, open up their hearts more than ever. Lord, we want to be that church family, spiritual family. Because the wells are for the lonely. Let's just go back to John chapter 4. What's happening in the background of the scenario, they're passing through Samaria. They're all hungry. The disciples go into town, leave Jesus alone at this well. And it's at the wrong time of the day for people to get water. The ladies of the town had already come earlier, and but there's this lone woman coming with a bucket with the jars. They've been jars of, of clay for the water of the well. She was so rejected that even the women of the church, um, excuse me, not church, it was a village, didn't have a church here, but the women did not receive her, and she traveled alone. And they get to, she gets to this well, and then Jesus is a man, she's a woman, he's a Jew. There's no interaction in that culture between man and woman. So Jesus liked to destroy ungodly cultural uh, traditions, and so he did that. They went into Samaria, he, he did that. He starts speaking to a woman who's hurting and broken, and he starts talking to her about uh about a well, and she's thinking, yeah, well, here we are. It, 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 this is called Jacob's well. Yeah, here we are. And he starts talking to her about a, a well that has living water in it that when you drink it, uh, you, won't, you won't get thirsty. This will satisfy you. And let's just jump to verse 13. She's asking about where, you know, what well are you talking about? Jesus said, Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The conversations go on. We won't get into it, but he reveals to this rejected woman, and he, with the word of knowledge, Describes, yeah, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And she realized, okay, he's more than just a good, nice guy, you know, talking weird things. This is the Messiah. And he speaks to her about worship, worship. I mean, he, he, he said things to her that he hadn't, as far as we know, he hadn't even told his disciples yet about being true worshipers and, and worshiping in spirit and truth. And, and, and just, he pours out himself he gets he lets her see more of himself this story and and i'm going into this year praying about this year our vision uh and and as we definitely decided to pray about open the wells here in january reminded me of a vision a friend of mine had uh, back in 2006 and in 2006 uh, our family was going to be uh, moving from, from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania to Philadelphia to start a church, a house church, an inner city ministry. And uh, I had several good close friends praying with me. They, were gonna, they became our, 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 our leadership board at the time. And uh, one of these good friends said, Steve, and I, you know, I have my devotions during lunchtime, and I, you know, close my door. I, 
you know, have that 30 minutes to open the Word, and I, I get in the Word during my lunchtime, and he said, I saw a vision. I believe this relates to your ministry. And when he described it, it stuck with me so much. It's like I had the vision too, <laughs> and I've kept it in all these years. Like I actually had, I, I didn't have the vision myself, but it's so clear to me. It's like I did have the vision. And he said, this is what I, this is what I saw. It was a rural farm scene that was dry and starting to just um, uh, being worn down and dilapidated. The the country farmhouse was there, was starting to get worn down. Uh, The barn over here was starting to have some, you know, boards missing and things. The the fields hadn't been used much. It's like they were just dry. There wasn't life in the field. It was gray either because it was wintertime or just... You know, it was it wasn't a working farm anymore, and um, and there was this this spigot, one of those old timey spigots, you know, in the pipe in the ground, and then you, you would lift up, right, and the and the the water would come. That was in that kind of in front of the house, in between the barn and the house, and and there was this old car pulling away with just a, a an old kind of broken down large sedan starting to pull away with tinted windows, and and it was starting to pull away. And to be honest, I cannot remember the part, but he said some of the details, I just embraced this for our ministry. But it, he said in this, this, this spigot, if when you lift it up, it wasn't water. It was this glowing light that would come out. It was like liquid light. It was the Holy Spirit was in this spigot, in this water. And he said, and, and you know, you... You grabbed this and you, you ran and I, and I just could see myself trying to grab and I grabbed as much as I could in my hands and run to the car. No, don't drive away. And I'm at the window hollering at the don't drive away. I've got it. I've got it. And we named our ministry the Fountain at Philadelphia. Folks, this living waters is a deep well and God is opening those wells because there's someone that needs it. This well, this, this Holy Spirit that glows with the, the answers of our heart, the brokenness of our being, the Lord Jesus, it's His Spirit, is the Holy Spirit, is here for us to, to heal not just our own hearts and lives, but others. Wells are for the lonely and lost. Let me just remind you of, uh, and, and kind of review a couple of stories real quick. Hagar's wells. She had two wells. I'll just briefly summarize Hagar's story. <clears throat> this is Abram and uh, Sarai uh, getting old in age. Sarah's past childbearing years. God had promised Abraham uh, descendants, you know, uh, that, that you could count like the stars. You couldn't count like the stars. And and all this, and she was barren, and she's past childbearing years. So she says, I'm going to give you, as a wife, my servant. She's under my authority, and you can have a child through her. Her name is Hagar. And so, you know, Abraham did what she said, and, and, and this Hagar conceived and got pregnant, and Sarah got, you know, just nasty and mean at her, started mistreating her, and Hagar flees for safety. She leaves the community 
and is out in the desert trying to survive, and, and an angel appears to her and says, you know, what are you doing? Has this conversation. Go back to your, your mistress, your master there, and, and, and you're, there's promises that God has for your child. And so she goes back somehow. She was protected. Hopefully it wasn't as bad. And she has Ishmael. And, um, and, but think about this. The name to that well was the God who sees. That those, I didn't have a family. I was rejected. I was, uh, uh, just had to flee for my, on my own survival and be all alone. And, and, and I was going to just, who knows if I'd even survive. But God provided a well for that lonely woman. The God, I, you're not alone. God sees you, Hagar. The God who sees me. A few chapters later, Eshmael's grown up. And now Sarah is named Sarah because she's actually uh, had supernaturally a, a baby son named Isaac. And now Sarah gets mad at Hagar again, doesn't like her, doesn't want her around, and kicks her out of the family again. Now they're back in the desert, and Hagar leaves the boy in one spot, said, I cannot watch him die. I've got to, and lays him down under one bush. She goes over here and, she, and they're just going to die in the desert. But God, that angel shows up, speaks to her, and it was like he, the, a well was created just for her. There is, he says, look, your son is going to be a great nation. And look, there's water right here. And, and he created a well just for her to rescue her and her son's rescue. Wells are for the lonely. The rejected, those who are at the end of the rope and say, it feels like I'm not going to make it, I'm just going to die out here. This is that open wells of living waters for others. The women's ministry is, is purposely, and it's God is blessing, it has elements on the third Wednesday uh, night to have time of prayer in smaller, smaller groups, like threes and, and fours type, type, really small, so that there can be time to pray with one another and, and, and be honest with somebody and have a safe people to share those prayer needs. And uh, God has blessed those Wednesday nights, and the Christmas party was one of the largest group of ladies we've had in a number of years, uh, about 45 or so. It was just, a, it sounds like a fun night. And Evelyn Noth, uh, our uh, financial administrator, she uh, got together a bunch of little gifts and, and organized all these little gifts uh, that the church would give to each lady and, and whatever they had, those little lotion things and all things you guys like, right? And, um, and so on that night, and they were distributing them out, on that Christmas party night in, in early uh, December, um, there were two ladies that came up to her and said, thank you so much. This gift means so much. This, this is the only gift I, I know I'll get this year. That really shook me. Folks, we don't know where people are at, do we? We don't know what level of loneliness people have when they walk through 
our front door on a Sunday morning. You are on a mission just by gathering. It's to be in tune with your love receptors, right? And say, who needs a little extra love, an extra handshake, an extra, you know, hug around the shoulder? We, we are on a mission, folks. We don't know what loneliness, brokenness walks through the front door. Uh, my Christmas morning um, had a little uh, eye-opening experience with the Lord, um, and um, I was sitting in the basement in my lazy boy having my devotional time. I started, you know, just praying for people, and I started weeping. What had happened was the night before, the Rileys and, and the Leagues got together over at Carol's house, and we had a special dinner together, and played some games, just being silly, and then later that Christmas morning, uh, there is going to be a, um, uh, uh, you know, my mom is going to come over and Carol for the gifts, and then the leagues come over and have a big lunch and more gifts, and, and I sat there when I started praying for people, I was like, I don't deserve this, look at all this family love that I get to experience. And I was praying for some of you in this church, some of my friends, some of the others that I knew would probably be dealing with loneliness over these next couple of days. And it broke my heart. To the point I have an idea and you contact me if you're interested in helping out. That I'd like for us to have a, a Christmas party open to whomever that we bring food and gifts together either on December 23rd or December 24th, really close to Christmas, because I just, I just want to hug somebody that this might be the only gift they get this Christmas. When God created man... In Genesis chapter 2, he said, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I believe that's, what's, that's the state of someone without companionship. Someone without relationship. Someone who's not known by another trusted person. Now, to get things started, God ended up, well, first he had Adam check all, name all the animals. And he said, and there was not a single animal that was suitable for him to have a companion comparable to him. So even though our dogs are great, our cats are great, we could have a little dog versus cat battle right here, you know, which one's better, blah, blah, blah. We could do it. We could do it. And they are blessings from God. They're still not human, okay? Just so you didn't know, I'm just kind of letting you in on the secret. They're not quite human. And, uh, and so... God had to, he had to create a woman and, and then he married them so they have children so he could have more people so that man or woman, boy or girl, whoever it is, would not be alone because it's not good for a man, a woman, boy or girl to be alone. So that puts again, why does God call himself father and call us brothers and sisters in Christ? This motif, he calls us family 
And the family of God is not a nice little cliche thing. This is because there is a need that was seen all the way at creation that it's not good for a man, woman, boy, or girl to be alone. And so I'm going to create a family that are tied together by me and my spirit. And there, there can be an intimacy and a friendship that beats any other uh, beer drinking friendship out there. And it's going to be so tight. They're going to go, I'm a part of a family. Though I'm not married or though my spouse has died or though I might live away from my family, I am not alone because I have a spiritual family. This encouraging word to receive the love of God this morning uh, that Brandon had in his heart, I, I love that phrase. It was, it was, he who knows me best loves me most. Isn't that the similar dynamics and principles of a family? God, does, he is hoping that those family members that know you best still love you despite that and love you most, right? That's that sense of a safe, trusted family. And that's, that's what I'm praying for. That's, what we're, that's where we're going in 2023. I believe we have a great start. We have a lot of love here, and yet we don't want anyone falling through the cracks and not experiencing the spiritual family that God wants to give us. I'm going to, I've got more material here. Like I said, I knew it would be uh, several parts uh, to get in this a little bit deeper. I'm going to ask the uh, praise team to go ahead and come up and those people that are available for altar ministry teams and then also just available for prayer uh, about anything. It could be a health issue. It could be a uh, financial issue or baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some questions you want to talk to somebody. If you could come down as well, you've been down here before at the altar. Wells are for the lonely and the lost. And God has created family, both natural and unfortunately so many times, they fall short that, that the spiritual family, and, and you know, I love spiritual, I come from a, a very loving family, and that I need you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need spiritual fathers to disciple and mentor young men. We need spiritual mothers to disciple young women. And, and all this, these dynamics of family is a real thing that God wants to make real for us. That living waters is a spiritual family. You see, you see in the front hallway, welcome to our family. So let's just wait on the Lord here. I'm going to let uh, uh, Julia go ahead and, and, and start here. But just, Holy Spirit, we yield to you. You speak to us. What does this mean for me and our family and how we can touch and be a safe people, a trusted people for someone else? You provided wells for the lonely. You created a well for a, a lonely single mother. 
that thought she was done for. Open our wells, O Father. We're looking forward to meeting new people or touching new people perhaps we don't even know yet. Let's just wait on the Spirit. Let's just listen. Let's keep seeking God together and I'll dismiss you in a few moments. Your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold like a vow that is tested like a covenant of old Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today Faithful you have been, faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's I have seen your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on us, your praise will ever be on us, ever be on us. Let me go ahead and um, say a, a closing blessing. And I'm going to give our beloved pastor, uh, pastor's blessing, our founding pastor, Joe League's ironic blessing with Shalom. And that was the high priestly blessing for the people of God. That's for us even today for the spiritual family, the family of God. If you feel comfortable, you might want to just open your hands like this, that you're going to, you're going to receive this blessing into your heart and life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Everything as it really ought to be, nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus, you are approved. You are accepted. You are loved. May you walk under the warmth of his presence this week and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Thank you for that shalom of God that transcends all understanding, a peace that's beyond circumstances, a peace that says, I am, I rest in the love of God today. I have your peace, Father. Thank you so much. Feel free to stay and worship some more. Just see God, listen to the Holy Spirit. Get receive prayer about anything just come on up here if you could maybe reserve your talking in the hallway and the gathering places some will be seeking god here and during worship have a great week love you guys father be your faith and your kindness makes us whole and your shoulder our weakness and your strength becomes our own 
Ever be 